Welcome to the Five Seven Podcast. I'm your host Pre, and I'm joined today by my co-host Mike Salinas. Yes, I am back, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and uh, today we're also joined. Uh, we have another another guest who goes by Party Marty. How you doing, Martin? Doing real good, man. Thanks. We're gonna go over uh, the Earl Spence Jr. and uh, versus Mikey Garcia fight that's happening this weekend. So we've got uh, Party Marty in here to give us some uh, boxing analysis. He's located, where are you located at? South Loop, Chicago. Do you have any, why don't you go over some of your uh, boxing experience? Uh, in terms of um, actual fighting or in terms of like how long I've been interested in the fight game? Yeah, I mean, no, not like you're, you know, fighting drunk taxi cab drivers from Tijuana, but, you know, just uh, just, <laughs> just fights in general. Yeah, or fighting me in the uh, in a couple bars. <laughs> yeah, or fighting me in uh, in, in, uh, in hotel lobbies. I had a, a brief amateur career. I was uh, got interested in the fight game uh, as a young teenager, and the the fight that got me interested in the fight game was the first Roberto Duran Sugar Ray Leonard fight that took place in Montreal, and uh, um, you know from that point forward, I was sold on the fight game. He lost that fight, didn't he, Sugar Ray Leonard? I remember growing up as a kid, he lost that fight. And, of course, the infamous rematch, uh, which most people know as the uh, Nomas fight uh, from Roberto Duran. Um, and, you know, from that point forward, I, I took a, a strong interest in the fight game. And um, eventually, I uh, uh, my, my goal was to actually fight professional at one point. But I ended up uh, into the amateurs. And uh, fighting, and uh, ironically, <laughs> uh, tonight's the night when I, I had my last, uh, well, not my last, but, but I fought in the uh, 2001 Chicago Golden Glove. And so that was uh, kind of a fun uh, period of my life. And so it was uh, 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 pretty interesting. And uh, fighting has, uh, has done a lot for me in terms of, uh, of uh, being uh, physically active in it. And uh, it's actually part of my uh, my current workout. In fact, it, my it's always been a part of my workout. Um, it's very cardiovascular. It, it it's uh, more than what people think. It's not just simply swinging your arms. It's, it's, uh, uh, you you move most parts of your body that you don't even know. Um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you can learn from the, the sport of boxing. It's it's not simply uh, hitting it's actually the art of uh, to hit and not be hit in return um and so you know you, you can actually like with most other things that in life you can actually learn from those and draw out uh, from uh from the boxing world into into life itself as you know as you know however you uh see fit to, uh, to see that but uh but yeah i've had a strong interest in boxing for uh, quite some time now so when you've been fighting, you know, obviously watching is one thing. What made you actually want to get into it? A challenge. Um, the, um, you know, to see that, you know, it's, it's unlike, you know, baseball, basketball, football, which, you know, obviously those are the sports that I also was interested in growing up. But, you know, those are those are team sports. And so when you, you know, when you, when you play those sports, you know, you're dependent on other, um, other, your club. Your co, um, your other players that are on your team, and in boxing it's it's different. It's just it's you. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you step into the ring, and um, 
you know, of course, you get advice from the cornerman, but uh, the um, you know, once that bell rings, it's just you and the other guy, and you live and die by that. There's there's something about attrition and and getting prepared for a fight, to working out, and to being in your best physical shape, and the challenge of being in there with someone else. I I look at it as an art, and um, that might be for some hard for some uh, for some to uh, kind of relate to, but. I really believe we're you're born a fighter. Gotta to want to step with that and be willing to take and to show the uh, the skills that you have. And it was something that I always wanted to do, and to be honest with you, I I miss it now. Party Marty, I've got to totally agree with you. There's nothing worse about team sports than having to deal with teammates. I don't want to pass the ball. <laughs> you know, I don't want to give anybody high fives. I would rather just rely on myself and myself alone because I know I can get the damn job done. I love it. I love, I, I love it. it all falls apart, it falls apart on top of you. <laughs> it falls apart on the coaching and whoever coached me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you'd be the coach too. It would be the trainer's fault, not mine. So watching uh, boxing, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of guys who watch boxing and you could tell that they've been watching it, you know, for, for years and years and years, which you have, what would you say, um, you know, obviously boxing is very different nowadays. How would you say it's changed over the past 20 years? Well, the, the main difference is I think is that, uh, boxing now today is more of a business. It's, it's not, um, it's more of a business in terms of for the fighters, Whereas probably 30 years ago, uh, boxing was a business, but it was more so um, a business on the promoter's end. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say uh, it seems like the the guys, like the fighters, are at the have a lot more control over, you know, what they're doing, and you know, like essentially, like where the money's going, kind of taking some of the money out of the promoter's hands. Would you agree? I agree. Um, and, and that's not such a bad thing. I think it's a good thing that fighters have more control, but the only downside of that is that you don't have the, um, you don't have the, the big stake fights that you had. Um, I'll say this, like I said, even 20 years ago, um, you look at, for example, Oscar De La Hoya, you know, most people, you know, either loved Oscar De La Hoya or you hated him. Uh, but, uh, say what you will about Oscar De La Hoya, but he, he fought everyone. He fought um, guys, fighters in his prime. Kito Trinidad, Sugar St. Mosley, uh, Ike Corte. He was unifying titles against top-ranked, uh, high-skilled fighters, other champions. And you can't say that really about today's fighters. And I don't know if it's because of a, a lack of talent in the pool, uh, but you just don't see the fighters fighting each other as much as, uh, you know, they were like, you know, 20, 30 years ago. You know, I, I mentioned, um, I want to mention, uh, you know, Tommy Hearns, Wilfred Benitez, Sugar Ray Leonard, all those guys fought each other. Uh, even Pepino Corbis, and, and I was, um, who was also in that same welterweight lot with Wilfred Benitez and Sugar Ray Leonard and Bruno Duran. Uh, those guys all fought each other. And you, you see, like fighters today. Look, you had uh, you had Sean Porter, you had uh, Errol Spence in the current welterweight division, and you have um, Kel Brook, and you have uh, now the um, the new guy who's um, 
he moved up from junior world to weight, uh, Terrence Crawford. And so the, the whole idea, from what I'm hearing, why Errol Spence elected to fight Mikey Garcia is because he couldn't secure a fight with um, the other fighters, uh, the other top welterweights in the division. And I could, I could possibly see that because fighters are looking to for longevity now. They, they're looking for um, longevity, but they're balancing that with you know, low risk and, and money. And whereas fighters had, I would say maybe about 30 years ago, had a little bit less uh, control and they were um, more so willing to take chances and willing to uh, test their, their skills. And, you know, and I think that, like, once again, I don't, I'm not saying that's a bad, bad thing because uh, fighters need to be in control of their careers at, at least at some point. I mean, because there's, you know, you know, boxing is is uh, unlike you know some other sports. I mean, there's not there's no pension in boxing, and and you know a lot of fighters come from you know hard life backgrounds, and so they're not the most educated people out there. Um, you know, to to know what to do with their money, and you hear stories of uh, fighters getting swindled by their managers, their managers running off uh, with the money, and so. Um, I mean, I think it's a good thing that fighters have some control, but the the you know the drawback to that is that uh, they're just going to be willing to take less risk, and um, I think that's what's missing in the fight game. But I also think that's um, what's so great about this weekend on uh, this Saturday with Mikey Garcia and Earl Spence. Is the fight on uh, ESPN or or what, what what's it going to be on pay per view? Fox pay per view. Wow. Do you think that do you think that things are are going to be moving away from pay per views to like kind of like the streaming dazzin type of thing? I think so, and I think I think what's helped is uh, the uh, the the device of HBO boxing because for years HBO was the uh, was pretty much known as the number one uh, boxing network on cable, and so if you had HBO cable, then more than likely you were going to buy their pay-per-view fights. But now that pay-per-view um, or HBO no longer is uh, in that market, a lot of these fighters have uh, decided to go to uh, Dazen and ESPN. And so, um, um, you know, Canelo and now Triple G just signed, uh, I believe, this past weekend with Dazen, uh, or known as DAZN. And um, Terrence Crawford is with ESPN. The two um, top, two out of top three heavyweights are with uh, ESPN now as well. Dante Wilder and uh, Fury. You know, as for me, I'm I'm kind of like you know waiting out to see where the where the chips fall before I make a commitment to any of them. Because if you you know you subscribe to one, you know, okay, then that means uh, I I don't want to have like you know four subscriptions <laughs> to see to see fights. Um, and so I'm kind of like waiting it out. See where uh, everyone ends up and signing in. Uh, I may end up with the one who has the um, uh, the most fighters under their um, under their stable. So I want to touch on something. You you just going back to a couple of things you were talking about how boxing isn't quite the same. And I agree. I feel like there's a there's a bit of a disconnect. Like I feel like it used to be a sport. Now it's turned into more of an event. And do you think that has anything to do with maybe Floyd Mayweather? And do you think maybe he's ruined boxing? Uh, that's an interesting question. 
it certainly seems to have started with Floyd. I want to say this up front. I think Floyd Mayweather is a great fighter. Um, I don't think he's the greatest of all time, as some people think he is, but I, I think he's a great fighter, probably the greatest defensive fighter that I've ever seen. I often tell people, I think Floyd's a great fighter, but I, I think he's even a, a greater businessman. He, um, he, he orchestrated you know, himself into maneuvering into fights, uh, waiting until you know, most of the, most of the fights were, or his fighters were either, um, you know, close to the father time, uh, or, uh, fighters that were, um, you know, too small for him. And I, I can give countless examples of that, but, and, and once again, I, I think it was because it was a business and, and Floyd wasn't really interested in taking, um, challenges. He was more interested in making a name for himself. And, and in the, in the reality TV era that we live in, it was um, it was uh, quite easy to do. I mean, he, um, you know, people will say, well, you know, Floyd fought, you know, he fought, uh, you know, Sugar Shane Mosley, fought Oscar De La Hall. Um, you know, okay, first of all, Sugar Shane Mosley was 39 years old when he fought him. And he had a hot girlfriend, so that kind of made him weak in the, weak in the knees, if weak you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar De La Hoya, I mean, most... People would say that he that was a shell of De La Hoya that, that fought Floyd Mayweather. Um, Juan Manuel Marquez was a great lightweight. Um, I mean, I don't, even, I don't think Juan Manuel Marquez had never even had a, a fight at Junior Welterweight, I don't think. And uh, when he fought Floyd Mayweather, he jumped two weight divisions to fight Floyd Mayweather. And of course, Floyd was smart enough. He says, well, this is the guy that most people believe had beat Manny Pacquiao. So sure, I'll fight him. And... Um, you know, so it was uh, Floyd was, and his team were very, uh, very smart with uh, selling this to the public. You know, these names, Juan Manuel Marquez, um, you know, Arturo Gatti, um, you know, Ricky Haddon, Oscar De La Hoya, and, and, um, and of course, it, uh, Sugar Shane Mosley. And of course, it took him five years uh, uh, to fight uh, Manny Pacquiao. I mean, that fight should have been made long, a, lot, a lot sooner than what it was. And even Miguel, him and Miguel Cotto. I mean, Miguel Cotto and him were at junior welterweight at the same time. Uh, but, of course, he chose to fight Miguel Cotto uh, when he was well past his prime. Like I said, I think Floyd's a, a great businessman. And, uh, you know, am I going to blame Floyd? I just, I'll say this. A lot of fighters tried to be like Floyd after that. And, um, and, and I can't really say I... To a certain extent, I can't say I really blame them because fighters for so long were taken advantage of. Adrian Bronner. Uh, Adrian Bronner. Uh, yes, he tried to be like he tried to be like Floyd. Definitely tried to be like Floyd. Um, and I can even tell you stories down from uh, local gyms here in Chicago. Uh, uh, fighters that I knew uh, who they actually uh, they wanted me to manage, and the um, his. His, his boxing trainer would come up to me. He says, "Martin, he just says, well, listen, man.' He goes, uh, he goes over here, what... come and work my corner.' <laughs> and, he, and he would, you know, his, his corner man, his, his trainer would tell me. He says, "Martin, he goes, I, you know, I, I'd like for you to manage him, but you know, I'll tell you one thing. The guy's a, he's a loose handle right now. He's, um, you know, he wants to do his own thing. He won't listen to me. And um, you know, he says, this is the kind of, uh, this, this is." This is the impact that Floyd Mather is, has had on on uh, young fighters. He goes, they see that, and they want to make money, and as opposed to learning the uh, the trade, 
And um, um, that particular fighter that, you know, in one particular cases, uh, didn't make it past uh, five fights. And uh, who I thought was was pretty talented. And so I, I think that, I think Floyd was the beginning of, of the, the business type. Uh, but, you know, where the, where the actual blame lays, I don't know. I won't say that. But, yeah, I, I believe it all, all began around. And so there's, um, there's not a whole lot of fighters out there that really want to take challenges. I think it's more, uh, well, let me see how much money I can make uh, in the short term. And, and I'm not really interested in challenging myself. And so that's what separates I me, mean, right or wrong. I mean, all I'm, all I'm saying is that that's, what, that's what's different between the fighters now than the fighters even even like 20 25 years ago yeah no i think so i think we all kind of agree that maybe he did play a a bit of a part in boxing's downfall you know because i am a casual boxing watcher and uh it seems like boxers are making more money there's less interest though it's kind of like comcast you know comcast seems to be making more money i'm not sure why but uh there's less interest in people wanting cable television yeah that's (laughs) funny that's a that's a funny analogy You know, I like, uh, you know, when you're talking about De La Hoya, man, I mean, I remember at the time when there was anybody who was anybody, uh, he fought him and he fought him, you know, whenever he could, you know, and, and, and Floyd never did that. Yeah, sure. It was probably a, probably a smart, uh, uh probably smart on, on, on his part, you know, but, uh, I mean, every guy that he fought, man, was well past, well past their prime. I mean, Cotto had been in, you know, multiple wars. Well, Cotto got hit with fought. cinder blocks. Yeah, he did. When, yeah, he did. When he fought Margarito, uh, all those dudes who fought Margarito, you know, can blame him for for them having CTE. But uh, but you know, man, the the nineties, the nineties, and like mid two thousands was a, was a fantastic time for for boxing, and it seems like now, maybe even like the past ten years, like it just seems like boxing has really kind of uh you know just i think a lot of people have lost i don't want to say a lot of people have lost interest but there's you know the rise of mma and the uh you know the lack of say superstar boxers out there or say you know really memorable fights out that have happened you know they haven't happened in the frequency as they did in the 90s and mid 2000s you know what do you do you think mma has anything to do with that i think it does as well i think um um, I, I think that because of the lack of quality boxing fights out there, uh, not to say the bad decisions that have been handed down, you know, in the last five years, um, I think has, uh, you know, drawn a, uh, a sour note, uh, to the sport. And I, um, you know, I've, I've witnessed some, some horrendous decisions and it's, it's terrible. It's terrible for the fans. It's terrible, especially terrible for the fighter. You get the fighter in there, the guy's. Um, just went through uh, 12 rounds of war and only for some guy to take it away from him with a pencil in his hand. That has uh, uh, a lot to do with it. I think the, the lack of quality fights and the lack of uh, and the poor decisions that have been handed down. And so, um, you know, I, mean, I think that, uh, you know, the question, can boxing rebound? Um, I, I think when we have fights this coming weekend, you know, as, a, as an Earl Spence and Mikey Garcia, I think these are the type of fights that boxing needs. You have uh, Errol Spence, a, a very good fighter, uh, undefeated welterweight, um, seems to be uh, uh, a good uh, above-average puncher, uh, 
uh, a tactician that some people are, are kind of overlooking, I think, for this fight. I think he's uh, almost as much a tech, uh, being the technical fighter that Mikey Garcia is. And I think that's probably going to be the difference between and the fight. Um, but, and, but the quality of uh, the fight this weekend, I think Mikey Garcia, um, here's a guy that's willing to take a challenge and to move up two weight classes. He's undefeated. He's had over 40 fights and he's undefeated. And he, he could have stayed at lightweight to fight um, uh, Lomachenko. He elected not to wait on Lomachenko, but I guess I think there's some promoter uh, uh, problems there in terms of negotiating that he elected to take on the, the biggest challenge in Errol Spence. And I give, um, I give Errol Spence some, uh, some credit also looking for the big fights, uh, looking to fight uh, the other fighters in his division. And I think the only reason that he is fighting um, Mikey Garcia is because he couldn't secure a fight with Sean Porter or, uh, or Keith Thurman, uh, who, are, who are good welterweights in their own right, but you know, not great, but, uh, but good welterweights. And so I think that uh, this weekend is going to be a, uh, a pretty good fight. I think it's going to be um, you know, um, uh, a tactical fight initially, but I think that uh, Errol Spence eventually probably will begin to wear down Mikey Garcia toward the second half of the fight. As good a fighter as Mikey Garcia, um, you know, let's not forget that Mikey Garcia is moving up two weight classes to fight um, um, uh, Errol Spence at welterweight from 135 to 147, which which is huge. So he's jumping, you said 12 pounds? Um, yes. Roughly? 12, uh, 12 pounds. From and he's then he was giving up some height? giving up some reach and I, I believe they're both knockout artists right I mean they're both undefeated with uh, quite a few knockouts yeah Mikey Garcia's knockouts most of them have come uh, when in the junior lightweight and featherweight division where he started so Mikey Garcia started his his career in the featherweight division and so a lot of his knockouts came during that time I, I think if I'm not mistaken his last uh, six, seven fights have gone by decision. So he hasn't really um, mm. had that um, knockout power at lightweight. And so if he's, let's uh, just say, if his last six fights have gone by uh, decision, I don't, at lightweight, I don't think he's, I don't think it's going to be a knockout. I think it's most likely if he wins, it's going to be a by decision again at, at welterweight. I don't think he's going to find this, um, this punching power that, you know, that was hiding for the last, uh, you know, three years, you know, he's going to have to fight the perfect fight. And a lot of that is going to have to do with footwork because uh, Errol Spence is, uh, I mean, he can, he, he's not a one punch knockout fighter, but he's, um, he, he's, he drills the body. Man. He, he's very, he's a very good body puncher. Um, and, and when most people talk about this fight, they just simply say, well, Errol Spence, he's the bigger fighter. He's, he's, um, you know, he's, uh, he's well, well to weight, he's undefeated, but um, you know, what the guy does, a good foot movement, um, he maneuvers well, he gets in position well, and he drills to the body. And that's, you know, body punching is kind of a lost art. And um, I think Mikey Garcia is a very good body puncher as well. I just um, I just think that, um, you know, Errol Spence being the, uh, uh, the best fighter at welterweight, I just think that it's going to be too much for Mikey Garcia in the end. What do you think Mikey Garcia has going for him going into the fight? Uh, he's he's a very smart fighter. He's um, his 
his boxing technique, he's very good at doing everything right in terms of like the basics. He's, um, he's got good punching. He's got good foot movement. But I think the big question coming in for Mikey Garcia is what weight is he going to come into the fight? Uh, Mikey Garcia has never weighed more than 138 pounds for a fight. And so uh, I often think a fighter makes a mistake when they move up and they've never fought at that weight class. And I'll just use this for example. Um, Mikey Garcia at 135 pounds of lightweight is a a fairly quick fighter. And he's uh, got decent footwork and average punching power. Um, What fighters do is they make the mistake when they move up is that when they move up, they feel that they've got to weigh as much as the other fighter and take their weight to the, in this case, the welterweight limit at 147 pounds. And what they've done is they, in, in doing so, yeah, they weigh 147 pounds, or Mikey Garcia in this case, as, as Earl Spence uh, will be. But uh, no doubt he's taken away with that added weight. He's taken away uh, hand speed. He's taken away um, uh, um, probably some punching power. I, I can't. Uh, I can't think that he's going to be uh, a heavier puncher at at welterweight than he was at lightweight, and that added weight is going to have uh, have some kind of effect on his stamina. And so I always say, you know, gain some weight, but why why take away what got you there? Why take away the skills that got you to where you were today? And in Mikey Garcia's case, at 135 pounds, you know, I would say, you know, I, I hope that he doesn't come in any heavier than like 142, 143 pounds. I think um, he's good. he'll be slower. He'll be, uh, won't be able to move around. And I think some of that added weight, uh, being that this is his first fight at welterweight, could take some, uh, some of his stamina away. It takes you know, a couple of fights for your body to get acclimated to a new weight class. That's right. For all you beta males out there, if you're not uh, not sure what's going on, we're talking to Chicago's very own Teddy Atlas, a.k.a. Party Marty. And we're talking Errol Spence versus Mikey Garcia this weekend. And if you got your rent or your mortgage due this weekend, don't pay it. Instead, put all that money on Errol Spence because he's a minus 400. Yeah, and I'll add this. is that If you look at, you know, the history of boxing, you look at, and I'm just taking the great fighters. When they've moved up in a weight class for their very first fight, they, they've usually lost something. You know, either uh, they've lost, you know, hand speed, um, punching power, um, or, or, you know, movement. It, it, it usually takes those fighters uh, two to four fights for their body to get acclimated to where they can start. If they were a punching power, if they were a power puncher at their original weight class, it takes them a couple of fights to... Uh, start for their body to get used to that new weight and to start knocking people out again or, or uh, to recover that hand speed that they had so that their body is in, in better conditioning. I just think that because this is Mikey's Garcia first fight at such a heavier weight that I don't think that he's going to show us anything different than what he had at lightweight, a common boxing saying that, that, um, um, that we have in boxing circles. And that is that a great big man always beats a great little man. I think Manny Pacquiao was probably the uh, the lone exception to that. Even though he was on roids. No, I'm joking. 
Yeah, well, there was there, there were some people that wouldn't argue with, uh, with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so w- what's the next fight after this one? What's the next big one? We got a Del Canelo and uh, Danny Jacobs, right? May 4th? Okay. I said big one, man. <laughs> well, well, come on, guys. I mean, this is in the form of the popular vote. Not probably a good fight, but probably for the ones like me, like a like a novice, a casual boxing fan. Cinco de Mayo, man. Mexican Independence Day weekend. I'm, I'm always tuning into a fight. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's I, – I, it just seems like Canelo gets, you know, just shoved down your throat. Like he's like this ultimate fighter, ultimate entertainer. You can't miss this fight, you know, and – and I, I, he's just not that good. For, he's just not that good to me, man. You know, he doesn't blow my doors off. You know, when when uh, like say for instance when De La Hoya fought and he got somebody in trouble, he finished him off right away. You know, it was just over. And this guy, you know, it's it's another twelve round uh, snooze fest. You know, I mean the triple G fights were, were 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 good, but other than those, can you can you name a good fight that he's had? And Usually, I, I drink. I drink a lot of beers, so I don't remember <laughs> them too much afterwards. Yeah, but I feel like he's had some good ones. I mean, besides that clinic that Floyd Mayweather put on him, <laughs> that was pretty bad. He was young, though. Yeah, he, he was, was young, young. and uh, he, he was really inexperienced for that he fight. Was, he, he was twenty-two or maybe twenty-three uh, at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, off the top of my head, man, I, I don't know. I couldn't name one, I guess. Yeah. I remember when he came onto the scene when he was 19, you know, he was, you know, he was known as this hard hitting kid, you know, and, you know, the whole deal. And, you know, he's just promoted now as like this, just this huge guy, dude. And I, I don't buy it. You know, I don't buy it at all. Yeah. Marty, what are your thoughts on uh, Canelo? I, I like Canelo. Um, but yeah, it's not like he's had, um, you know, with the exception of the, uh, the, the triple G fights, I really haven't been that excited about Canelo Alvarez. I mean, he, I mean, he's, a, I think Canelo Alvarez is a, is a great fighter, but it's, um, you know, he has that, that he has good boxing skills. He's very good offensively and he, and he seems to be getting better defensively still. I don't get really that excited about Canelo Alvarez. And I think, I think the fight with Danny uh, Jacobs is going to be a, a good fight. I think Jacobs, uh, I mean, some people argue that, uh, Danny Jacobs beat uh, Triple G uh, when they fought, and I thought it was a close fight. It could have gone either way, but you know, all close fights go to the champion. There's even talk that uh, the one thing that possibly could lead Floyd out of retirement would be a potential uh, rematch with uh, uh, Canelo Alvarez. I mean, that would be an interesting fight. I mean, it would be a, it would be a, a fair fight. I mean, kind of like the tables would turn because the first fight. You know, Floyd was the master, and you had uh, Baby Alvarez, you know, 22, 23-year-old uh, Canelo Alvarez. Uh, the tables would be turned this time. I think it would be uh, Alvarez would be uh, the master, and, and not saying uh, uh, Floyd is, uh, would be the baby this time. But, you know, age, I think, um, even though he's always busy in the gym, Floyd's always in shape. That's one of the things I've always admired about him, that he's always been in shape. But, you know, being in the gym is one thing, and... You know, actually having real fights is another. I actually think that Canelo Alvarez's uh, biggest challenges are probably going to be outside of the middleweight division and maybe in the uh, super middleweight division. Um, I, I can't see anyone in the junior light, uh, junior middleweight challenging him. You know, I would say the Canelo fight would be the next um, fight of notoriety. Oh, yeah. But, 
but it but I wouldn't you know I wouldn't call it necessarily a um, a big fight. Um, but uh, to mention, I mean, there are there are some good boxing prospects out there. I, I want to mention that on the undercard of the Errol Spence, um, Mikey Garcia fight is a uh, a fighter, a young fighter by the name of uh, uh, David Benavides, who was the uh, super middleweight champion a couple of years ago. He uh, got caught uh, through a random drug test and tested positive for cocaine. But uh, I tell you, this guy uh, is very talented at super middleweight. And uh, I'll say this, you don't even see many Mexicans fighting above the 160-pound limit, and he's at 168. And so hes I can see this guy growing out of the super middleweight division into the light heavyweight division. Uh, and I'll tell you what I like about this guy. Um, hes um, This guy throws combinations, uh, unlike uh, not that you really see a lot of fighters throw combinations uh, today. Not like this guy. I mean, if you, you know, you'll watch him throw like six punch combinations and and at super middleweight. And so I think that he's got he's got um, above average defensive skills. I think he's uh, quick hands. Uh, doesn't have one punch knockout power, but does have uh, sharp punching ability, and his punches do have impact. And pre. I know what you're, you're thinking. You're booing Canelo. You're booing this Danny Jacobs fight. But I'm going to tell you one reason where you're definitely going to want to watch Canelo versus Danny Jacobs. And there's one reason and one reason alone is that you don't trust somebody with two first names. <laughs> and I'll give you a couple case in points. Number one, Tom Brady. Number two, Ray Lewis. Number three, Danny Jacobs. You got to watch this fight. Never trust the man with two first names. Who else has, has two first names? Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. Um, Ryan Howard. Yeah, Ryan Howard. He was the, uh, played for what, the Phillies? Yes. He successfully sat on their bench making like $27 million a year for like three years or something like that. If you really think about it, that guy's got to be your hero. That's the, that's the great American dream right there. Yeah, you make it into the MLB. That's all that you got to do. You don't even have to perform after that. Right, that's a millennial's dream. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> make money by sitting on a bench. Sign me up, please. What about uh, what about Terrence Crawford? Like, what does he what does he have going on? I, I think that he's he has a uh, I think he has his next fight scheduled. Uh, but I don't. I'm not sure what, who's who's that next fight is against. Um, not sure about that or if, if he's actually uh, signed anything or not. But I think that the uh, the real interesting piece will be the fallout of this fight over the weekend because I, I think Mikey Garcia is at a point, I'd say, where he just wants to fight the best fighters. And so I don't, I don't see him, uh, let's say if Mikey Garcia uh, wins the fight and surprises everyone or, or surprises most people. Uh, I'm sure there's some people out there that expect him to win. Um, I could see Mikey Garcia um, trying to fight Terrence Crawford immediately after that. Um, now, whether Crawford is going to want to fight him or not, I'm not sure. But uh, Crawford is also very talented. Uh, he just moved up from the uh, junior welterweight division to uh, recently, probably about a uh, probably about a year and a half ago, to win the uh, his his version of the uh, welterweight um, uh, title, and so. Um, he's a very good fighter, another southpaw like Earl Spence, and uh, um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the fallout of this weekend is going to be. I doubt it if we see Mikey Garcia win or lose, 
going back down to the lightweight. Uh, though a, a fight with uh, Lomachenko uh, would be worth watching. Um, so you think he's going to stick around at, at uh, welterweight then? I think he will. Um, depending, well, I think depending on how well he feels his body is, uh, takes to the, um, um, you know, however long this fight is going to last. I mean, I've, I've heard some fighters where they've done this and they, um, they say, well, you know what, this, this weight was too much. I, I think it was, uh, it was just too much. And I think I'm just going to go back down and just a little bit of history. There aren't many fighters and think, I, in fact, I can't think of a fighter off the top of my head that has ever done that where they fought at one division and, and jumped two divisions to fight the champion and won. The, um, the only fighter that I know that's done that was, uh, was back in the 1930s. And, and he didn't just jump two divisions to win um, another weight, another title. He actually held three weight, three titles, featherweight, lightweight, and welterweight simultaneously. This is before uh, the junior divisions were introduced. For example, today, between featherweight and lightweight, we have junior lightweight. And between lightweight and welterweight, we have junior welterweight. Well, there were no junior weight classes back then. So you're looking at 126 pounds featherweight, 135 pounds, and then 147 pounds welterweight. There were no junior divisions. And this guy jumped featherweight and fought uh, a gentleman by the name of Barney Ross, who back then was probably on the top 50 list of all time and beat him. And so um, this guy was the, they didn't just jump two divisions, but he held three titles, featherweight, lightweight, and welterweight simultaneously. Never been done again. Uh, that is special, man. What's your prediction for the fight? Uh, Errol Spence, um, probably, um, probably decision. Decision. Yeah. 12 round decision. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he stopped him in the 10th round. I'm going to go for Mikey Garcia in nine. (laughs) (laughs) What Marty's telling me here, I'm going Errol Spence in two. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going a, a I'm calling I'm calling a cold knockout knock him out of the ring he might throw him out the ring like uh, Thunderlips did Rocky and Rocky 3 yeah <laughs> oh my gosh didn't he have to take his gloves off to uh, yeah oh, we're, we're gonna get into Rocky dude I, I'm gonna start yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're gonna go down a deep hole brother <laughs> I'm gonna go deep hole <laughs> You know, it's funny that you were uh, you also were talking about Lomachenko, and, and I've heard a lot about Lomachenko, but I've never seen the guy box. And I just read about him right now that he's uh, he's wanting to fight Anthony Crolla, Crayola, a crayon, I guess. I don't know who this other guy is, but uh, I've been looking forward to seeing this guy. But I think like his fights are never televised, or, or they are, but it's just hard to get to him. Do you think he's going to um, hit maybe some mainstream fights? Yeah, I I think that's going to happen. Um, sometime this year. And um, I've watched a lot of uh, Lomachenko's fights on ESPN. So they have been televised. Oh, um, I've seen him too. <laughs> he knocked out, didn't he knock out like like uh, five guys in a row? And didn't the like number two or number three contender 
quit. He had a couple guys quit on their stool in in a row, didn't he? Jeez. He had three guys quit in a row. Right. Three That's unbelievable. And these guys were good fighters too. You know, they weren't guys that were ranked, you know, eighth or ninth in their division. These guys were top fighters in their divisions, and they all quit. <laughs> they just didn't want to come out. He, he demoralized them. He's a he's a very good fighter. He's he's lacks he does lack punching power, but uh, this guy is highly skilled. And so I was kind of hoping him and Mikey Garcia would face off at lightweight before Mikey Garcia took the jump to welterweight. But um, for whatever reason, that that didn't happen. It may have had something to do with the promoters. Um, and so there is another guy. Um, Another, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier about you know, young talent. I mentioned David, David Benavides, who's fighting on the undercard of the Errol Spence, Mikey Garcia fight. Um, there is another uh, highly touted young fighter in the lightweight division that has already gone on record. I think he's, the guy's only 20 years old, but his name is Tiafimo Lopez. Um, very skilled fighter. Very skilled. Um, has that, um, um, has one punch knockout power. And um, there is talk that um, him and Lomachenko could be on a collision course in the next year and a half. Um, he's 20 years old. I think he's only 20. But there's there's talk. I mean, if, he was. They did an interview with him recently, and he was saying, "Well, you know, I'll fight Lomachenko next month." You know, so he's he's pretty confident in himself. I, I think it would be a mistake. Uh, but you know, whatever Lomachenko was going to do he sh- probably should do in the next couple of years because he's i think he's 31 years old now and so um you know fighters um generally speaking in the lower and the lighter weight classes tend to age more and I'm, I'm not sure why but uh, <laughs> um but yeah i can see uh, tifimo lopez uh taking the lightweight division by storm and there's going to be no one else for, no other challenges for him other than lomachenko and so that could be a big fight brewing probably in the next year and a half. And so uh, keep that name um, uh, in your back pocket, Teofimo Lopez. Yeah, we'll have to keep uh, keep an eye on that guy. Actually, I'm going to look him up and see what his uh, see what his deal is. Yeah, so I'm going to stand by my prediction, uh, Mikey Garcia in nine. Well, good luck to that. You look like David Benavidez if you do that, because David Benavidez <laughs> looks like a damn ogre. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, well, Marty, Party Marty, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate your your insight. Uh, we'll, def- we'll definitely do this again on uh, you know on another fight. And uh, you got anything else, Mike? Nope, nothing else here. All right, cool. This is Mike and Pre out. Mm-hmm.